We've Been Around the Block is a podcast coming to you from the heart of the KZN Midlands. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Anthony Jarvie, and today's very special guest is John Odendahl. Welcome, John. Morning, Ant. John is the National Marketing Manager for the Panar brand. You started in sales, right? I did, Ant. So I spent the best part of 30 plus years in sales and marketing with Panar. Okay. I do see that on your CV, there's no mention of you being a failed chicken farmer. <laughs> <laughs> you do remember this. Uh, John and I once shared a house on a small holding outside Greytown, and in our wisdom, we decided to go into chicken farming, and John bought the chicken feed on his dad's co-op account, and we started chicken farming. Uh, you do remember this, right? I do. <laughs> I think it was a once-off. It was a once-off, right, because what happened was when you had to pay back the chicken feed, you very quickly learned that the cost of the chicken feed actually exceeded the value of the chickens, and we had to get rid of the chickens really quickly. And so that was the end of our side hustle in the poultry business. But the poultry business's loss was the seed business's gain. You've had a long career in the seed business and you've been very involved in the policy and strategy for the Panar brand. One of the things that you've dealt with is the endpoint royalty, which is the topic of today's discussion. After the break, we will delve into the different aspects of the endpoint royalty. Don't go away. Today's episode is sponsored by Panar Seed. I believe that you judge any organization, a multinational corporation, a farmer, a hamburger joint, whatever, by the way it treats its staff. Customer service is a very thin veneer which doesn't hold up well when staff are disgruntled. So if you hear shouting in the kitchen, you just need to know that the effects of that shouting will eventually work its way through to customer service. I've worked for been associated with and consulted to Panar for 35 years and they genuinely care about their staff. Actually, that's that's an underestimate of my association. I had a bursary with them for my university education and it's a bit like when you have that scrawny dog outside your gate and there's snot and trina in the house because you've told your wife, honey, whatever you do, don't feed the straight dog outside, just keep coming back. So think how sorry Pan I must be after having given me a very small bursary and not being able to get rid of me for almost 40 years. So just like the stray, I keep coming back. And there's a very good reason for that. They are an awesome company to work for and they really know how to treat their staff. They are great to do business with as a consultant. And I just know that they will look after you as a customer because their caring is deeper than a pure veneer. So with that... On with the show. Right, back to the endpoint royalty. John, tell us a little bit about what is the endpoint royalty. And the endpoint royalty is an industry-initiated statutory levy or royalty which has been implemented to ensure continued investment into the breeding of improved new varieties and, and technologies. Right. And so it's not just, we're obviously interested in soybeans, but it's not just soybeans that are involved in the endpoint royalty, right? Correct. So currently at the moment, there's four different crops for which the endpoint royalty is registered, and that's soybeans, wheat, oats, and barley. 
And the plan is, I think, going forward that, that it might well be expanded to include other crops as well. Okay, right. And who administers this? Obviously, it's a statutory levy, but who administers this levy? So the levy is administered by an organization called SACTA, which stands for the South African Cultivar and Technology Agency. Right, right. And how is it collected, right? So obviously it's endpoint, so it does mean that it, it happens at delivery of the crop? That's correct. So it's collected at the point of delivery or the first point of sale right? by grain off-takers such as co-ops, grain traders, etc. And if farmers say delivered directly to any of the processes, it would need to come off at the processor? Correct. Right. That's correct. Okay. So SACTA collect the levy. How is the levy then divided up between the interested parties? Okay. So basically, three factors feed into a formula that's used to calculate the market share of the different seed sellers in the market. And the levy is distributed based on each company's market share. And those three factors are really a, a farmer declaration at the point of delivery as to what variety has been, is being delivered. Secondly, um, seed sale statistics, which are provided by, by Sansor. And the future going ahead is going to be based on genetic fingerprinting. As well, yeah. Correct. Right, okay. So why do we need the endpoint royalty? I think really basically the need for the endpoint royalty, and it's really an economic one, and it's really because in terms of law in South Africa, farmers are entitled to retain seed for replanting for their own use. Obviously, economic forces have encouraged farmers to retain seed, and you can imagine more so in times, in tough, in tough times, in yeah. tough times. And um, just to give you an idea, as an example, in the case of soybeans, in excess of eighty percent of seed that's actually planted is planted with seed that farmers retain from their own crops from right. the previous season. Right. Essentially, seed companies are funding their research on fifteen to twenty percent of the market acreage right that's correct and it's aggravated even more by the fact that you know historically and the nature of open pollinated crops is that for a seed company they're lower margin so it's a lower margin and we only and it's only collecting it on on a small percentage of the total area uh, planted to the crop right so essentially what, what really has happened is that as the seed retention increases the seed price has to actually escalate for the seed company to be able to fund their research. And so as the seed price goes up, the seed retention increases. And it's the spiral that, that is really difficult to get out of. And one of the very strong examples we have is from the peanut industry. And I, I don't know whether you remember many years back that Panel was in the seed business for, for peanuts. Do you remember that? You're testing my memory here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, so it was the late 80s and Panay employed a, a breeder and they got going on developing peanut varieties and they eventually had to close the program because with peanuts, farmers would sieve their crop and deliver the large fraction as confectionery peanuts and the smaller fraction they would retain as seed. And so essentially, Panay had no way of paying for the research they did in peanuts. And it was a bit like the analogy with the, the chicken business, right? So essentially, they worked out that they were spending more on the research than 
they would be able to get back in the seed business. And so eventually Panar closed their breeding program and the only people left in the business were the ARC and that spiraled down too. And now the peanut business is in terrible shape. And I think that soybean business was heading in the same direction and it was very lucky that the endpoint royalty came in when it did. It was certainly overdue, but I think the endpoint royalty actually has saved the soybean industry for South Africa. Absolutely. And I think that peanut example, well, it's an outstanding example of what can happen. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at the endpoint royalty, there are benefits for the different players in the market, right? So for the farmer, what are the benefits of the endpoint royalty for the farmer? All right. Okay. So I think the first and most obvious one is really lower seed prices. Right. And it's it's uh, in the past two years, basically subsequent to the introduction of the endpoint royalty, soybean seed prices have, have dropped by about 20%. So that's the first uh, benefit for farmers. Right. So... so John, if we just go back to the to the seed price, so the endpoint royalty has been running for possibly three seasons now. This is the third season in terms oh. of the collection. And obviously the the amount of the endpoint royalty will determine what the seed price will do, right? So if the endpoint royalty is large, that would mean that there's a great incentive to get a better market share. And so the seed prices will drop for the companies to compete for the market share. But if the endpoint royalty is not large enough, then the seed prices would stay high. So actually what you're telling me is that the endpoint royalty as it is today has been reasonably effective in reducing seed prices. Yeah, that's correct. And the in, initially, I think the start-off principle when the endpoint royalty was first uh, introduced was a ballpark, it was about a 1% of the commodity price. That was the basis for, on which the endpoint royalty was, was calculated. Plus, and that was for genetics, and then there was also an additional, initially, 0.2% for technology. Right. And, and which is going to, and as new technologies come into the marketplace, you know, it is likely, obviously, because these top technologies, none of them are cheap, it's likely that that will, will increase. Right. And so any other benefits for the farmers? Obviously, one of the things you'd like the endpoint royalty to accomplish is to encourage good quality seed, certified seed. Correct. So I think the other benefit for farmers is, is exactly that, is good quality seed. It's a genetics with associated increases in yield right. per hectare and obviously lower production costs. Right. Okay. And for processes, would there be any benefits for processes? I think the I say the obvious one for processes is just an increased local supply of good quality grain at competitive prices. Right. Okay. And then obviously for the seed business, they are probably the the primary beneficiaries of the endpoint royalty. In, right. Um, so in terms of the seed business, what are the direct benefits to the seed industry for for the endpoint royalty? Okay. And the most obvious one there is really revenue, an additional revenue that's earned through the endpoint royalty that would be received by the, by the seed company over and above any income that would have been generated by seed sales. Right. So this is not to actually replace the seed sales. This is just to, to provide an incentive, an additional incentive to companies to, to get involved in research. Correct. Right. 
So to what extent do you think the endpoint royalty has been effective? Well, maybe just, and I think it's probably quite simple to illustrate the benefits. In 2010, there were 31 soybean varieties on the market and three companies selling soybean seed in South Africa. In 2021, so 11 years later, we've got nine companies selling soybean seed and about 130 registered varieties. Of those varieties, about 60-odd varieties make up about 80% of the area that's actually planted. Right, okay. And so one of the indicators of a vibrant industry is the number of varieties on the market, right? Correct. Okay. And obviously this is where the technology flows into the market via new varieties. Correct. Right. One of the other benefits that you mentioned is that um, in 2010 there were only three companies that were marketing soybean varieties. And as we know, the burden of technology transfer has very much passed from public institutions to private institutions. And so in 2010, we were looking at perhaps only two or three companies that had the ability to pass agronomic advice through to the farmers. And now it's that burden has been lifted by having more companies involved, right? So there are more agronomists involved in soybean agronomics and that technology transfer is a lot freer nowadays than it was then. Absolutely. Right. And further, the more companies involved, the greater the competition. And and I know you and the marketing side would probably not want too much competition, but from a technology perspective, it's very important to have good competition because that's what drives the implementation of new technologies. Obviously, farmers rely on this technology and farmers would like lots of competition in the market because this drives yields. That's absolutely true. And we listen, we do totally understand the benefit and the importance of competition. Right. And um, so as much as it would be great to be in a situation where you've got 100% market share, we know it's good for, the in- for farmers, for the industry to have competition. Right. So... Um, At the end of the day, South African farmers compete with international farmers on the global marketplace. Soybeans in South Africa have to compete with maize in a rotation, and so they have to indirectly compete with maize competitiveness. Yes, so you know um, there's lots of money in in maize business, and and so the competition is, is incredibly strong between companies in the maize business. But soybeans really have to compete and have to keep up with that level of genetic gain and technology. Otherwise, they would lose their spot in the rotation. Absolutely. So having a spot in a rotation purely for rotational purposes obviously is not enough. Right. At the end of the day, the crop has to be competitive. Right. And we see that in parts of the country now where the mix that farmers plant is in some instances as much as 50-50 in terms of the the, the proportional split between soybean and maize. So right. they, obviously that tells us that soybeans has to compete with maize right. from a, a revenue point of view. Right. Properly. And if we just look from a sustainability point of view and how farmers are adopting no-till or minimum-till technologies, and part of the pillars of minimum-till or no-till is rotation. And if soybeans weren't keeping up, soybeans just wouldn't be the primary crop to choose as a rotation partner for maize. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So are there any other benefits that we see directly coming out of the endpoint royalty system? What about new trades? Yeah, and that's, that's a big one. I know for farmers, that's probably been the main driver initially. It's against the background of our be, being able to compete effectively in the international market. Yeah. And we see the benefits of new trades in terms of increased average yields. Right. And we're seeing that those new trades entering in the maize market. And so that is obviously creating the, the ambition for soybeans to have those trades too. That's correct. So I think in the case of maize, and it's very easy to, to actually, if you could graph it, you can actually plot over time the very significant increase in yields that have actually taken place as a result of new technologies. And if you look at soybeans and what's happened, the yield increases from a tech point of view have not been comparable with those of maize. Right. And I just know that since the introduction of Roundup Ready 1 in 2000, there have been no new trade developments launched in South Africa. And once the endpoint royalty system was announced in soybeans, that changed dramatically, right? And there are a number of companies now working with new trades and are in the process of deregulating new trades, right? Correct. So... Um there's several, as you mentioned, several companies right. that are busy with the deregulation and commercialization process of several new trades. Right. And, and this is a lengthy process. We all understand that. But there's something very new and exciting developing within the Corteva group. That's correct. So in Corteva, with our Conquesta CE3, we, we call it, which is a combination of two BT and three herbicide traits. The herbicide traits are are glyphosate, glufosinate, and 2,4-D, which are going to obviously give much more flexibility to farmers in terms of herbicide control in soy and probably maize as well. Right. So I just know that deregulation of, of nutrients is a very, very expensive and time-consuming process. And for one, I know Corteva would never have embarked on this project had it not been for the endpoint royalty. That's absolutely correct. Right. And so we can see that there are direct benefits coming out of the endpoint royalty. Yeah, at the end of the day, there's benefits for, as we've already mentioned, for right. the farmer, for the processor, and for the seed business. So it's a win-win. Right. Well, John, that's been a wonderful discussion. I think we should wrap up at this point. And until next time, it's been a gas. Take care. Thanks, Ant.